0: What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Run Happy Podcast. I'm Baxter Friedman.
1: And I'm Charlie Rook, and this is a podcast for people that want to improve themselves as runners as well as people
0: and always run happy. Let's get into it. All right, welcome, everyone, to the second episode of the Run Happy Podcast. I'm here today with Jason Fitzgerald. Uh, He is a official certified coach for the uh, USA track and field and then um he's been a or he's had a strength running podcast going on for multiple years he's a 239 miler and uh he writes in the trail running magazine um every month Mm -hmm. so 239 marathoner yeah, wait. What did I said? You said Myler. <laughs> oh, Sorry, Myler. sorry, my bad. No, sorry.
2: Um, it's, it's a one-minute world record. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I crushed it. It was um, crazy.
0: Yeah, he's written a book, and um, and he's been nominated. Uh, like in 2017, he was a men's running influencer of the year. So, a lot of accomplishments. So, uh, how are you doing today?
2: Good, man. I, I'm excited to be here. I mean, your second episode, which is exciting. It's really cool that you guys started a podcast.
0: Yeah. Yeah, thank you.
2: Yeah, man. I mean, we're really excited to talk to you. Uh, Baxter was
1: telling me about how he got this set up and of uh especially with you having a podcast, I was uh it was, it was funny you get to you get to be on ours. But um so why don't we jump right into this? So how did uh, how did you find running? Um when when did that become such a big part of your life?
2: Well, it's actually kind of a weird story. I, I initially hated running like so many other people. And when I was in middle school, we had you know track and field week in gym class. And so I was like the 110 pound, five foot four kid doing the high jump instead of doing any of the running events. And when I got to high school, you know, I just wanted to do a fall sport. I was thinking about going out for the golf team, but, uh, you know, my parents were like, why don't you try cross country? And I didn't even know what cross country was. Um, but they said it was like track. So I was like, oh, cool. I go, I'll go high jump. And so I showed up to the first day of cross country practice wearing long mesh shorts and basketball shoes. And we went running. And I quickly discovered that it was all running every day. I I literally couldn't finish like a 2.9 mile run my first day. And I just felt like my body had been run over by a truck afterwards. It was just pretty crazy. Uh, But for some reason, I, I, I ended up sticking with it. I think I really liked the coach. He was just a good guy. And he was able to really relate to the, the guys on the team. And I was fortunate that my cross country team just had a lot of really like cool, funny guys on it. Like I just liked going to practice every day. We had a good time. And so, uh, yeah, I found running sort of in a weird way because I didn't like running and I wanted to high jump and and look at me now.
0: <laughs> yeah, That is awesome. Um, no, yeah. I think, I mean, a lot of us found it in middle school. Uh, I mean, i for me i joined it because i was like i was a big basketball player but i wasn't that great at it and so i didn't make the team that year and so i like you wanted to do a fall sport and so i um my mom had told me she's like yeah why don't you do cross country to train for basketball like get in shape for basketball i was like that's a great idea and then i was like wait a second this is this is I'm way better at this than basketball. So I uh, just decided to just quickly, uh, I mean, I still play basketball, but I quickly decided to just go all in on running and, you know, let that take over my life. So, it's funny.
2: I was a basketball player too, before yeah. I was a runner. And and it was like a big deal for me to give that up because I just loved playing basketball. I mean, still, you put a basketball in my hands in front of a hoop and I can just stay there for an hour shooting oh, yeah. around. Like I love it. Um, but you know everyone else kept growing and I stayed at five foot seven so I had to give up my basketball dreams
0: yeah I, I feel that yeah I mean it is it is frustrating sometimes but uh you know we it's kind of like what you said you just keep playing and it's, it's more of a hobby now but you know like running has just basically taken over our lives so in a good way um yeah
1: exactly so um well at what point did you kind of realize
2: that you were you were really good at running? Did you end up running in college? I did run in college. Um, I would say my first season of cross country, I I think I ran like a five forty-five mile at the end of the season. And that was like, okay, that seems fast to me as like a freshman in high school, you know, like sub six minute mile. This is now starting to get really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really think I was good at the time because, you know, I was still on junior varsity. You know, that's that's not a high school varsity mile time by any stretch, but it was a big improvement from where I was. And I would say like I more just kind of got obsessed with improving. You know, I didn't care if I was setting a PR in the 400, the mile, the two mile, the 800 meters, whether it was cross country, like I just loved getting better and Uh, I I think I got really hooked on running early in the sport because, because of that, I just loved like, okay, let's just see what I can do. And, you know, when you're a new runner, you just start improving so rapidly. I think I ran a PR in the mile by two to five seconds, every single race that season. And so I was like, maybe running about a five ten by the end of my freshman year. Um, so that kind of progress over just two seasons was like, wow, okay, this is just awesome. You know, I'm going to be a sub four minute miler by the time I graduate high school. Oh, yeah, um, I
0: think we all had that dream. Uh, I wrote it on a wall. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Like we all, we all think we're going to, we're going to get there, but you know, soon the improvement starts becoming a little harder to come by. Uh, you have to train a lot harder for it, but yeah, I think at the beginning it was, it wasn't necessarily like, Hey, I'm pretty good it was more like, I just like improvement uh, because even by the end of my, my high school career, when I was thinking about, okay, am I going to school? Like, am I going to go to a college where I can actually compete and, and run on their cross country and track team? Cause that's what I would love to do. You know, I, I can't go to university of Colorado, Boulder and, and run for Mark Wetmore. I just don't have the talent. So I looked at D3 schools and, and I sort of just made running fit into my life. You know, I was like, I'm not a, you know, one of the best D one runners. Sure. I could have gone and found a, you know, sort of like a lower tier D one program to run for. Um, but I certainly wasn't going to get any kind of scholarship money for it. So I was like, Hey, let me go to a D three school, get a good education, but also, you know, be a three season athlete and and just be able to continue the sport, which is what I really wanted.
1: That was awesome. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, I mean, we're, we're D two runners. So like, you know, we, we've been through the same thing. We, we know that, uh, you know, perhaps D1 wasn't for us, and decided to, you know, come a bit lower. But, um,
0: like and it's not a bad, it's like not a bad thing either, because I mean, a lot, of, some people that just don't realize the the competitiveness in D3 and D2 and like, you know, in AI, um, like they they just don't realize how competitive it is. And then whenever we get there, it's like it's, I mean, it's great, it's awesome, and like. I don't know. I I think it's one of the best decisions I've ever made. So
2: yeah, I agree. Um, Can I ask uh, what what school did you go to? I went to Connecticut College.
1: All right. Okay, that's cool. Oh, yeah. Okay. So pretty
2: pretty small school. It was in the NESCAC. So other schools were like Williams, Bates, Colby, Tufts, Trinity, okay. those kinds of schools. Cool. Right. That's good.
0: That's cool. Um. Well, that I mean that's pretty amazing. So then, how did you um. Like I mean, from running in college, um, how did you just decide to keep that going? um, and I guess starting the podcast and like what what just kept that drive going towards um after college?
2: Yeah, well, it was kind of weird, you know, you graduate college, and then all of a sudden, you're like, all right, I'm gonna get a job, I guess, and, and you know it, it was hard for me to go from three season athlete where I was almost always in season or I was like summer base training for cross country to. I don't have to run at all. And, and that just seemed weird to me. I was like, I want to, I want to run a half marathon. I want to run a marathon. You know, you don't get to do that in college. Um, you know, I didn't even run a 10 K in college. We didn't do it in cross country because we were D three and I sure as hell wasn't going to run 25 laps around an outdoor track. That doesn't seem like a lot of fun to me. Ah, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry if you guys are 10 K runners. Uh, but I was like, let me, let me go run 10 K cross country I actually had a little bit of a phase after college where I was getting into triathlons and, you know, I just like ride my bike too, but I just hate swimming. I'm like your typical runner. I just sink to the bottom of a, of the lake, you know, like a rock. But I just was like, I want to keep training. This is fun. You know, I certainly had a hell of a time with it, getting up at like five in the morning, to train before I was, you know, taking a one hour bus into the city of Boston for my job at 9am. So that was like really hard. And, you know, I kept thinking to myself, like, why am I doing this? Like, what is the purpose of, of all this training? You know, I I don't have a team to support. I'm not going to let down my coach. I don't have a coach, but looking back on it, you know, like I'm going to be 40 this year, uh, which I know probably sounds ancient, but you know, when you look back on it, you're like, there's no way I would trade that for anything. Like what else would I, would I, would I have done? You know, Oh, I stayed up an hour later to watch some TV and, you know, like, it's just like, you know, you gotta make your choice. And and I'm so glad that I decided to do it. And, and I kept training for about nine years post collegiately. Um, but then it got kind of hard, you know, like I had my second kid Uh, and then I had my third kid and, you know, it just gets, it just gets like really challenging to kind of put in 80, 90 mile weeks, which is what I was doing. But, you know, professionally, I always knew I wanted to do something in the running space just because I love the sport so much. And at the time I was like, well, the only really thing that you can do is you can be a pro runner or you could be a coach. Now there's so many other things you can, you can do within the sport. So it's certainly not a, uh you know, such a binary type of question like that. But I was like, okay, well, you know, I could do like high school coaching and be a high school teacher that actually sounded okay to me. It seemed like a pretty cool lifestyle. Uh, but then I was like, oh, I want to work with like slightly older guys and, you know, a little bit more talented, maybe like a division three or D2 program would be like really great. But, but, you know, that was just, it never really materialized for me. I don't think I really went after it. Uh, and so my first job out of school, I didn't like it. It wasn't, it just was like kind of a boring job. And I'll never forget something. My uncle said to me at Thanksgiving one year, when he asked me how the job was, I said, it was pretty boring. You know, I just kind of shrugged and he said, Oh, well, 40 more years. And that just kind of shook me. And I, I, I'm you know, sure. 20 years, <laughs> I know you 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 guys look shook right now.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs>
2: It's like kind of sobering just to, you know, think about those kinds of timescales. And if you get a crap job or if you're not really intentional with what you want to do, you're going to be stuck with that for a long time. You know, it's like it's like permanently choosing the wrong school to go to and you have to stay there for 40 years. It's just a miserable experience, right? So what I was doing was going down to a bookstore in, Boston, in the city of Boston for my lunch hour every day at this job that I didn't like. I was just like reading entrepreneurship books. I was like, what can I do? You know, I was just trying to just learn a lot and figure things out and, you know, see what, see what was available out there. And I ended up buying the domain name strengthrunning.com in 2007. I didn't really do anything with it for a couple of years, but I I just started putting up a blog in 2010 on the domain name, which is, you know, something that was a little bit more popular, you know, like 10 years ago. Um, And then I didn't start the podcast until 2016, but, you know, it was, it was just me creating a lot of content about the sport, you know, using my experience in college. And I ended up getting a USA track and field coaching certification and it sort of grew from there. Uh, It kind of snowballed. I started writing for other sites and building an audience. And, you know, I was able to start doing some virtual coaching online uh, building out some training programs and offering those for sale. And then when I started the podcast in 2016, I think that that really like, helped accelerate a lot of things just because it was a really, I think, great way of building connection with your audience as well as just a great connecting tool. Like, you know, you guys are experiencing right now. Like we would never be chatting right now if you guys didn't start a podcast. Yeah. So it's a really That's cool right. way of just meeting a ton of people.
0: That's awesome. That's like... um. That is really interesting to see all that progression. And like, I guess, um, I don't know. You mean you had that domain name like 13 years ago, uh, just sitting there and then all of a sudden you just decided to do something with it. I think that's pretty interesting. But uh, like, so what what does strength running mean to you? Like, where did that name come from?
2: I just thought it was a cool domain. Oh, it, yeah. it just, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was like, yeah, that's an awesome, that's an awesome name. It, I mean, it's more like a brand name, you know, that technically doesn't mean anything, but you know, I could sit here and tell you guys that it means everything, you know, it means being strong aerobically. It means being strong muscularly, you know, it just means being a strong athlete in every dimension. And, uh, I think it's aspirational too. Like, I think everyone wants to be strong. You know, that's just kind of a, a cool thing to be, especially, you know, especially when you start talking to like older adults who, who are starting to, to, excuse me, We're starting to actually like physically experience the decline with age and they're like, oh crap, this is not fun, but it's inevitable. What can I do? And, you know, the inevitable thing is, is strength training. So I I think it speaks to a lot of people in a lot of different ways, but no, there was no grand plan behind it or anything.
1: Yeah, that's awesome um so when did i wanted to ask when did um kind of like influencing start for you because obviously you were the 2017 men's running influencer of the of the
2: year so when did that kind of start for you oh i don't know you know i never really set out to like be a quote-unquote influencer i sort of hate the term it's it's cringe you know it's just kind of like oh you're just like talking into your camera about what you're doing during the day and people want to watch that. It's, it's exactly the way blogging was in like 2008, you know, where it's just like, what are you writing about your cat or the fruit loops you had for breakfast and you know, who cares? And, you know, like, I don't know the, the men's running magazine influencer thing was just, it was literally like, I just sent more people to the page to vote for me than anybody else. I don't think anybody <laughs> else really cared too much, but yeah, it's kind of weird. I would say 2021 was when I basically started thinking a little bit differently about my business. And I started saying, okay, instead of, I am a coaching and training business for runners. I sell coaching services and different training programs. I started thinking of it too as a media company. And so I can create media like a podcast, like a YouTube video. And you know, if they're popular enough, I can get sponsors and brand deals for that content. Um, you know, like I'm, I'm still kind of working on that because it's, I I would admittedly say it's like not my strong suit, you know, like I'm, I'm a runner and a running coach through and through. I'm not just someone who wants to share my run every day. Like my content isn't really about that. You know, like Mm. I did a workout today. I'm not going to post it on the internet. Like who cares what my workout is? That's not the type of like social media stuff that I do. Um, you know, I kind of, I kind of get enraged looking at these people with like, you know, you've never been involved in the formal aspect of the sport. You know, you've never been on a team. You've never had a coach. You're not a certified coach, but you're going to tell people like what you ate before your seven mile run. You know, it's like, who cares? I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting cranky in my old age now, but yeah, influencing was never like a, a, a super interesting thing for me, but I've sort of fallen into it a little bit. Uh, so I try to do it in just like a, a non-influencer way, if that makes any sense.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No, I think, yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, and like, I, I guess just being being a coach, like it is kind of like hard for, I, I don't know, it's like that, that mindset. It's like, it's a different, it's just a completely different world of like being an influencer and being a coach. But I guess like we can talk a little bit more about coaching. Um, like what what are some things that, you see in people that like should like you know that you can help with or like what's what's something that like you um you've helped a lot of people overcome
2: yeah I think a lot of runners you know like we can certainly talk about the training side of things Mm -hmm. you know like I pretty much exclusively work with adults right like these are people like 30 to 50 uh, who are running half marathons and marathons and, you know, they want to coach, they want to do a good job. They want a better time than they've gotten before, you know, very similar to, you know, what I used to do in college, what you guys are doing right now. Right. Uh, just for longer events and, you know, they're juggling families and careers and like all this crazy stuff, but a lot of runners as adults sort of get stuck into this mindset trap of like, I can't run a lot. Or if I run, you know, hard or, beyond a certain time period, I'm going to get hurt. So there's a lot of fear about putting in some good training, you know? So I try to tell runners, you know, we can be really strategic with the training, but I need you to be okay with a 50 mile week, you know, like you're going to be okay. Let's just keep the pace as easy most of the time. So I think a lot of what I do is, is push runners to be a little bit more aspirational, to get them to work a little bit harder, to get them to think more about their training so that they're making better decisions and they're asking more for themselves. But on the flip side, you know, I have a lot of clients who, who I could like rein in all the time and be like, you you cannot run three races a week for six months straight. That just doesn't work like that. Uh, you can't run all your easy runs close to your lactate threshold pace. doesn't work like that. You know, you gotta have some easy days. And so most of the time, I'm actually reeling people in and, and trying to, temper their training exuberance because you can imagine the you know the adult who goes out and hires a running coach really likes what they're doing and you know they, they want to do well they're they're a little bit type a they're they're excited about the sport you know they want to work hard and they think that's going out every day and just hammering and it's like no, no no, we're gonna hammer sometimes but most of the time we're just going to be putting in a lot of easy miles and and, and that's okay um So those would be the two things on like the the mental side is, is either not thinking you can do more. And then also kind of reeling back in some of the intensity, uh, excitement that a lot of runners have. Then on the training side, you know, I think being a college runner is essentially like being an amateur professional. You have a coach, you go to practice. It's very formal. It's structured. You know, you probably have a trainer that you can go to if something hurts and you've got a weight room and you are pretty much living the elite runner lifestyle, even if you're not putting down elite times. And and I think that's so valuable to learning how your training should be structured. And, And I think that's the number one thing that most runners, especially runners who've never participated in the sport on a team when they were younger, lack is what kind of structure do I put around my running? You know, like, okay, I'm going to have one easy day, you know, like a real recovery day. I'm going to have a long run day. I'm going to do one or two workouts a week. Uh, I'm going to run strides. We're going to do some drills and maybe a dynamic warm up before some of our runs. Uh, we're going to do some strength training, you know, like all these kind of pieces that you have to put together in a training program. Most runners just sort of go out there and they jog around for 20, 30 miles a week. And, you know, they wonder why their half marathon time isn't, That much faster so i think the structure is probably the number one thing i work on with my adult clients for sure
1: right yeah that's really cool i think i mean i think when you as you were saying that i was like yeah these are all like super simple things and then i was kind of like well yeah i guess the only reason we know is because we've been doing it every day for over a year and we're like in high school multiple years and i know i know when i first started my dad was um he was trying to coach me and he did, he, at the time he knew nothing about running and he basically just be like, all right, go out there and rip a mile every day. And every day it's going to go, uh, every day you're going to get a bit faster. And that's just not what happened.
0: That's actually, that's basically the opposite for me. Uh, I ran five miles a day at like a very easy pace and like, I would take two rest days uh, a week. So then I was like, then I was wondering, I was like, why am I not improving any? I, I didn't have any workouts. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, yeah, definitely the structure is incredibly important. But you were also saying that like talking about um or like people not like getting out of their comfort zone with doing more mileage and doing it harder? Like, so do you ever work with them on the mental side of running ever, or do you like just, you know give them give them the plan and be like, listen, this is what you're gonna do. It's gonna be good.
2: Yeah, with my private clients, I certainly, you know, work with them on all kinds of different psychological issues that come up in training, you know, they're, um, the way I have my private coaching program structured is that basically you have unlimited access to me as your coach. And so, you know, we're, we're in contact a lot via email, but also, you know, we set up zoom or FaceTime, you know, calls or or phone calls or something like that, just to talk through things. Um, yeah, I think, I think a lot of runners have certain mental, you know, hangups or obstacles that are preventing them from, from getting the most out of their training. Uh, you know, hindsight's 2020, of course, but I I think, you know, one of the things that I did right in my training was like, I just never really let a bad race get me so down that I didn't want to train or line up on, on the track again for another race. I was like, okay, so, you know, the, the three K didn't go well well, I'm going to run another one next weekend. So I have another chance at it. And and I think a mentality that a lot of adults have is just let's put all our eggs in one basket. Let's run like two races a year. And it's just really hard to progress and, and also like get comfortable with the discomfort of racing. If you're only racing a couple of times a year, like it's this very foreign concept, right? And I think one of the great things about running like high school track and cross country and college track is like, you race so frequently, like, especially in high school, there were some weeks where we did race three times a week. Uh, you know, it's kind of crazy, not frequently, but you know, maybe once or twice a season, usually it was twice a week. Um, cause we would have a midweek race too. And, and a lot of runners like just can't even wrap their head around that. You know, they're like, well, why would I race a 5k? Like, it's just so short. I can roll out of bed tomorrow and run a 5k. And I'm like, yeah, but can you run it fast? Like, that's the whole point you know? So that's why we train. That's why we do this. So yeah, there's certainly a lot of, of mental work and mindset training that goes into, you know, the work I do with my private clients for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's uh, that's a really big part, especially in adults because they all, yeah, you always hear, oh, I'm running a marathon and like, you know, you never really hear of anyone over 40 really bragging about their 5k time too much. Um, but like, what about you personally in college Well, how did you kind of, you know, did you ever get any pre-race anxiety? And if so, how, how did you learn to handle that?
2: Yeah, I was, I was a little bit more on the anxious side, I think before racing, cause I just put a lot of pressure on myself and I wanted to do well. And, you know, I, you know, I was a college runner. I knew how to make it hurt. So I was like, oh, this is going to suck. But, um, I, I think. One of the best ways to get over that is just, it's almost like exposure therapy. Like you just got to race all the time. You know, if you're doing hard workouts and you're running races, it starts to become untenable to, to get super anxious about your racing. Like every time you line up on the line, like, yeah, you're going to be nervous. Yeah. It's going to happen. Everyone is nervous on the line. You know, I think one of the things I've learned talking to so many pro runners on my podcast is. They go through this the, the same stuff. You know, it doesn't matter if your PR on the 5K is 1258 or, or 1858. It still hurts. And, you know, you're thinking and wanting to do really well. And that pressure is obviously gonna, you know, increase the anxiety of the moment. Um, but you know, I actually did a little bit of visualization in college and I was like very hesitant about this. I was like, this seems a little woo-woo. And, you know like i'm i'm tough do i need to do this kind of stuff but like i literally would close my eyes was, i only really did it for like this one very very important cross country race um but i i tried to run my way through the course in real time so i wanted it to take like 26 minutes for 8k the whole visualization thing and i tried to do it once a day for like a week leading up to this race uh, and and I found that that was really helpful. Um, it's it's like a big time investment, so I didn't do it all the time. But it was essentially a race off. Like I had to beat this other guy on the team, or else I wasn't going to be able to run at regionals. And so it was like really important for me to to beat this guy. And uh, and I outkicked him at the end. It was glorious. Uh, was and so glorious. thank you. <laughs> yeah, it was beautiful. So thank you, visualization. Uh, but yeah, nice. I just think it's it's helpful to know that everyone is having a little bit of a minor freak out during before a race even if they're looking cool calm and collected
0: yeah that is really cool I've, i don't know if i've ever done anything like that or i'm not gonna lie I'm not, i don't even know if i've even heard anything like that i'm sure i'm sure i have but that is that is a really interesting tactic for running um and i'm i'm gonna try that out i'm gonna try that out uh for our next race so which is Tomorrow, actually, we've got a two mile time trial, uh, but it's uh, yeah, yeah, you um, should, you should think again.
2: about like, at what point in the race is it's going to get really tough, right? You know, 2k in probably somewhere around there. And, you know, what can you what can you visualize like practice things going wrong in your head, like go through what you're going to say to yourself, what you're going to think, because, you know, like when you are hurting in a race, your mind is all over the place and you know you're you're beating yourself up you're telling yourself to slow down you're asking yourself you know i could be drinking beers with my buddies right now what the hell am i doing and you you if you put yourself in that position before you're actually in the position and you have like a little bit of a script to follow it'll help you be a little bit more mentally tough you won't get as many of those negative thoughts telling you to quit or slow down or whatever and it, it does help you just be a little bit more tough out there on the race course, which I think at the collegiate level is just mandatory. Like you gotta be an animal out there. you gotta be a grinder.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. We can talk about your um like how writing came into your life. I mean, you said it was from the blog, but um I apologize, but I cannot remember you write for a pro runner, right? Or so you're, you're, you work with a pro runner in the uh, trail magazine. Is that correct?
2: So I write a monthly column for trail runner magazine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So every month I write something uh, typically about either performance or longevity in the sport. So it's usually about like how to get better in some way, or how do you continue to participate in the sport for a very long time? Cause like, you know, if, if you really like what you're doing, do you want to do it for four years when you're in college? Or do you want to do it for 40 years? Like you want to be doing, turkey trots with your kids like 30 years from now like that sounds kind of fun and uh like that's a big piece of what i do there
1: yeah that's awesome i think i i mean i i know i write for um mile split mississippi and i like i don't know i just i just love the sport and so like you know writing about it's fun and like that's one of those things where like it doesn't feel as much like a job because it's kind of interesting and that's why that's another reason we we enjoy doing the podcast is because it doesn't really feel like work Yeah, it just feels
0: like we're just talking about something that we love to do.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm sure I mean I'm sure that's how it is for you. I think I wanted to bring up your podcast though, because I had a question. Um, is there an interview to you that like sticks out to you as like
2: one of your favorites? Ooh, that's a good question. Um so I've recorded 315 episodes of the podcast so far since 2016. Looking back, I mean, I think. I think there are certain guests that I I really enjoyed talking to just because I, I had a little bit of like a, you know, celebrity crush or something like that. You know, like Emma Coburn was fun to have on the podcast. She's like my, my track crush, you know, full Uh disclosure. Um, I'm actually publishing an episode tomorrow with my college cross country coach. It took over 300 episodes to get him on the pod, but, uh, and he's been retired now for like six years, but you know, he, he was such a big part of my life for four years, uh, and, and taught me a lot about the sport. So that was just really cool to hear some of his war stories from his competitive days and, you know, how he thought about training, you know, when I was there as part of the program, but yeah, I mean, I, I sort of, I sort of value every conversation for a different reason, you know, and Mm -hmm. I know that's just not a good answer. I'm giving you the, the the politician answer there, but for the most part, like I I really enjoy every conversation. You know, I, I actually had a good podcast episode with Tony Horton. I don't know if you guys know that name or have heard of P90X. It was like a fitness program that oh. was super popular probably 10 years ago, uh, which made him very famous and I think quite rich. Uh, and I had him on the podcast and he was just a really interesting guy because he's like 60 something years old, but he looks my age. Like it's crazy. Yeah. Like he he's he looks amazing. Uh and he's he's getting up there. He's almost a senior citizen. And he's, you know, so fit and and goes running and does all these crazy strengths, strength stuff, and uh, you know, has this history like training like Bruce Springsteen and like like all these crazy celebrities. Uh and so he had some really interesting insights just on like staying fit for your entire life and like how great that is and You know, like you guys probably don't appreciate some of the things you can do physically because you don't know anything else, but it's so easy to be just a very inactive, sedentary person when you're out in the real world. And if you can stay fit, it is like a superpower. You know, I think, you know, just sticking with running, but, you know, maybe getting strong too, especially as you get a little bit older, you're Mm -hmm. just going to feel amazing as you get older.
1: Yeah. Yeah yeah i definitely agree it's actually funny you bring up p90x that is the ab routine that my high school team did for uh four years um that was a good one (laughs) that was the video our coach found and uh yeah we did the the p90x ab ripper routine is what we did after our runs so that's that's really cool
0: um well so also arthritis in my knees and and like you know i've heard that from a lot of people people and everything everything, but like everything i mean is is that i mean you're a coach you know you you've know, been doing this for a while and like, recently what, like, what do you think about this? And like, you know, I told her, I, like, I, I, I think
2: it's complete BS. Actually, you know, I've like talked to a lot it. of doctors and physical therapists running is actually protective to your knees. Uh, mm-hmm. the only, the only way that you're going to really rub down some of that cartilage and, and become arthritic is if you're just doing things the absolute worst way, right? Like you're running way too much than what you're capable of. You keep getting hurt, you know, you're running too much intensity, you know that can certainly impact your knee health uh, and, and predispose you to some kinds of arthritis, but it, it's just—it's already been debunked now for years too. So it's like hearing doctors and PTs still say this stuff; it just makes my brain hurt.
0: Goodness, uh, well, that makes <laughs> me feel a little bit better about myself, but then also I'm like, I don't know, maybe I need to change doctors or something. Mm-hmm. But was uh, uh, this at home or here? Uh, this, was, this was back in Fairhope. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, but um. Yeah, I mean that's. I guess that that does make me feel a little bit better. Um, but yeah, yeah. I think
1: that, that's a yeah. I think everyone's been kind of scared of that before, but I'm glad. Uh, yeah, I think, I think that's BS as well. There's no way. There's yeah. no way something that healthy, can uh ruin your yeah. Actually,
0: there's a couple other. or There's one other question about kind of like the health thing is um, like I mean, are there any other things that you've heard that like from doctors or like I mean just people in general that you just know aren't true about running.
2: Oh, yeah. There's all kinds of like myths and half truths out there. Like running is bad for your knees. No, it's not. It's actually protective against arthritis. Um, you know, stretching is going to help prevent injuries. No, it's not that it actually might predispose you to injuries, especially if you do it before you run, especially if you're doing like a hard workout. Like, yeah, you want to do some dynamic stretching, you know, some movements, leg swings, you can do some lunges, all that kind of stuff. Like a good dynamic warm up is a really good idea. Um, and if you like static stretching, if it makes you feel good, let's just do it at the very end of our workout rather than at the beginning, because it's sort of, you know, you got to think about what your body is supposed to be doing when you're out there running fast, right? Like you need, you need a lot of, uh, you almost need to be like a pogo stick, right? You are, you are landing very hard on the ground. You're storing a lot of that energy and then you know, through the, uh, you know, kind of flight phase, you're kind of releasing that energy. You get a little bit of free energy because you store a lot in your tendons, especially your Achilles tendon. But if you're like Gumby, because you do a ton of stretching, you're not really going to be able to store a lot of that energy. And so the, the kind of elastic strength is going to be a lot lower. Um, so you kind of want a little bit of stiffness. You kind of want some good muscle tension. That's just going to make you feel economical. Uh, It's going to make you feel like you've got some extra pop in your legs. Like I'm sure you've run a race where you just feel like, you know, on the one hand you you can run a race and you can feel like you just feel flat. You don't feel like you've got any pop in your step. You're not responsive. You don't get any like quick, that, that boom, boom, boom. Like you get with, when you do drills and things like that, you know, that real responsive snappiness, that's what you get when you have good muscle tension. If you do a ton of static stretching and then go try to run a race, you're going to reduce your muscle tension and you're just going to feel more of that like flat, non-responsive feeling. So stretching is a big one. Uh, Running is bad for your knees is another good myth. Uh, You know, runners shouldn't do any strength training because they're going to bulk up is another big myth out there. You know, I think that's silly just because, you know, what, what distance runner is really going to, to bulk up getting in the gym? twice a week. You know, it's not yeah. enough thing to bulk up. And especially if you're running, all your energy is going towards fueling your running and then recovering from your running. You have very little left over for hypertrophy, for muscle growth. Um, you know, this is a, this is a big fear that a lot of adult women have is they don't want to start lifting weights and, and get all jacked. I'm like, guys, you know, how hard it is to get jacked. It's sort of like, it's sort of like your power lifter saying, Oh, I can't go for two 30 minute runs a week, I might become a five minute miler. It's like, no, you're not like, that's really (laughs) hard. You have to be very intentional to get fast. Just like you have to be very intentional to put on weight in, in the gym. So yeah, those are probably three of the biggest sort of running related myths that, that I've come into contact with over the last couple of years.
1: Yeah. I think, and I think I've heard all of those before. I don't know about you. Like, I've definitely heard my bodybuilding friends being like, I can't do cardio. I can cannot do
0: cardio. Yeah, like yeah and I have not heard about Actually, I don't know. Maybe I have heard about the static one, but whenever you're talking mm-hmm. about that it is making me feel better about our team because we don't do static stretching um before workouts or anything like that. So I'm just like, all right, at least I know that uh yeah. coach has or we're we're in good hands. Mm-hmm. Um but um yeah, so we're going to ask like one last question and then uh, we'll wrap things up. Um so You know, you being a coach for such a long time, what is something that you have learned as a coach that you wish you would have known as a runner and that you think would have helped you a lot as a runner?
2: I think for me personally, you know, like I'm, my body type is your very cliche distance runner. You know, when I was competing in college, I think it was like 125 pounds, five foot seven. I wish I had done more weightlifting. I think it would have really benefited me, particularly as your, you know, classic skinny runner. Um, cause I was like a mid distance guy, you know, I was a mile to 5k runner. And I think the extra strength would have really helped my performances as well as helped reduce my injury risk. Because I was, I was a, a bit of an injury prone runner when I was in college. Um, I think I went from running, kind of like 30 to 40 miles a week in high school to trying to run 10 miles a day, 70 miles a week in, in college. Yeah. And that's some adjustment. And, and if I had been lifting weights and, you know, just trying to get strong as well as just trying to run as much as I could, uh, I would have been healthier. I probably would have, you know, maybe had a little bit of a better body. And, and as a high, as a college guy, I, I would have liked that. Yeah. And um, yeah, it just would have made me faster, which is what I really cared about. So You know, Mm -hmm. I used to think that, Oh, I don't need any, you know, strength training for my legs. I'm a runner, you know, like what, what do I need that for? But it's just so wrong. Like now that I know how beneficial it is, and and you can look at any pro runner, you know, the best runners in the world are in the gym lifting weights and they're doing things that distance runners did not do at all 20, 30 years ago. Like it's, it's power-based it's heavy weightlifting. It's uh, doing a fair amount of plyometrics and some faster, you know, fast twitch oriented stuff. Yeah. So if I had done that, if I had sort of got it through my thick skull, that this would have been really beneficial, I would have been a much better runner. So that mm-hmm. that's the thing I would have, I wished I would have done.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the weight room is, you know, I I think I finally figured it out in college that the weight room matters. And it's right. Even more so this year, I think I was kind of going through the motions when we did it last year. And so, um, yeah, I completely agree. But, um, so, I mean, thank you so much for coming on. I mean, we won't take up, um, any more of your time, but we, we really appreciate it. I know we had a really good time. Oh yeah. And like, thank
0: you so much for coming on. Uh, yeah, we all, we both really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, having a fellow podcaster. Uh, so yeah. Um, thank you a lot.
2: Yeah, my pleasure, guys. It was fun. Uh, I, I hope the rest of your season goes well. Like you're barely started the cross country season, it seems, but yes, uh, you got a couple fun months ahead of you. Enjoy it, and don't quit the podcast. Keep it going, and uh, you know, Thank try you. to do some cool stuff, and you know, get get interesting people on the show. And you know, if you give it some time, it'll snowball and it'll start being something that's very different from what it is now, and and that's gonna be really exciting
1: absolutely yeah thank you yeah i really me too
2: yeah so this
1: has been another episode of the run happy podcast and you know thank you to mr fitzgerald for joining us and we will catch everyone next time bye-bye thanks for listening to this week's episode be sure to like and subscribe and we'll catch you all next week